Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. guys. Thank you, Professor. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the smarty pants thing. I, I don't know. Uh, in fact, you invited everybody to have lunch with me today. That's like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, good luck finding me. I, I think I already had lunch plans, but, uh, but now it looks like we're all going to have, have them together. Hey, it's good to see you guys today. Uh, I'd like it if you'd uh, open your Bibles to two locations, Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. And Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Genesis 25, 21, and Romans 5, 3. While you're, uh, while you're finding those two locations in your Bible, I just have to let you know, I am a bit ADD, and I don't know why we have circles swirling on the ground, but we probably need to stop the circles. Because <laughs> uh, I, will, I will keep trying to walk around in them or something like that. So, hey, but, it, but again, it's, it's great to see you guys, uh, see you guys today. Uh, I am, I'm starting a new series called Resilient, and I love it because uh, earlier when Cynthia was leading prayer at the very beginning, that's one of the things she prayed for is that we would be resilient people, and, uh, and, and I'm excited about that because that's right in line with this series of messages this week, next week, and the following week. And uh, we've got strobe lights going on behind me. Uh, so... You know what? That, that's that's like a problem when you, when you're just easily distracted. It's like way too many things going on at the same time. But uh, but this is really about your struggles, your failures, your pressures, attacks that come to you in life. They don't need to keep you down. And so we're going to be talking about that today. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you, worship team. And uh, before we jump into the message, though, today, while you're finding those two locations in your Bibles, I do want us to, I just want us to pray, I want us to pray for Mozambique. Um, you don't hear about it in the media at all, but, but there are people coming into to these, these, these communities, they're, they're finding pastors, Christian pastors, and they're killing them. They're beheading Christian pastors throughout that area, and that is, that is a very real persecution that's going on. Christians are being, uh, are being murdered for their faith, and, uh, and, and Heidi Baker and her team are out there. Uh, they're, they're out there trying to do ministry there at the same time, and she just sent in this prayer request this morning. It says, pray for our church family in these areas. Uh, in, in Mozambique, where all of this is happening in Africa, safety for all of our teams, but most of all, that Jesus will bring faith, hope, and love in the middle of all this violence. Uh, and, and they're also distributing Bibles, and of course, they can't. People can't read, so they are uh, solar Bibles. So, so they're actually solar powered, and the Bible reads to them. But, but there's a lot of things that we we just need to be praying for our brothers and sisters who are in Mozambique. Would you do that with me right now? They they are under pressure that you and I cannot even imagine. And I think it's right to pray for them. So, God, we lift up uh, our Christian brothers and sisters in Mozambique. We pray for the blessing of God to rest on them. I pray for the protection of the Lord to be upon them all. Also, I pray that they will not operate in fear because you've not given them a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Give them a sound mind, God. Give them stability and strength in their faith. And I pray that the pressures from hell that come to steal, to kill, and to destroy will be pushed back and that the gospel will continue to go out throughout Mozambique. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 
Well, you can be resilient through the power of God, and that's what I'm talking about today. In fact, in this first message in this series called Resilient, my, the title of my message is called Struggles That Transform. Struggles That Transform. Uh, I mean, did you know that your struggles really can transform you? In fact, the Bible's full of stories of struggles, stories of men and women who go through uh, just incredibly painful, horrible struggles, but they are resilient. They come out on the other side better. They come out transformed. And that's my prayer for you today, especially if you're someone who's going through a struggle, you're going through a crisis right now, this message is for you. Those of you who are coming out on the other side, this message is for you. And if you're not in the midst of any of that right now, then this is for you also because you don't know, none of us know what tomorrow holds. And, uh, and, and I want to talk about that word resilience for just a minute because I've defined it this way. Resilience is the power to bounce back after the crucible of crisis. It's about bouncing back. It's about getting back in the game. It's about being knocked down, but you're going to get right back up on your feet. And, and crisis comes in everyone's life. I mean, crisis hits individuals. It hits families. It hits homes. And, 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 but, but, and sometimes the crisis is self-generated. Other times the crisis just comes from the outside. It's kind of like unpredictable weather. All of a sudden, you're just, all of a sudden on your, on your phone, it pops up that you were under a tornado warning and you're looking there, wait, I just thought the sun was out. But those are the things that happen. In fact, uh, it, was, uh, it was just, it was 21 years ago, 21 years ago, just a few days ago, actually, there's the anniversary of it, when an F3 tornado came right through downtown Fort Worth. And those of you who may be newer to the city, you're not aware of that, but, uh, but, but it passed just four blocks, uh, just four blocks north of here. Uh, damage and destruction was everywhere, and it, it actually kind of started over in the River Oaks area and then came down to the West 7th area when it, when it really generated a lot of, a lot of power. Uh, shards of broken glass were everywhere as these high-rises were, were smashed. I mean, the windows came, uh, uh, the, the glass from the windows came showering down onto the streets, and, and, uh, and, and there are remnants of it today. There are remnants of what happened today. Now, most of you may not see that or know about these remnants, but I'll tell you about a few of them. One is if you're ever at the post office at University and West 7th, you'll see some twisted metal. And it looks like it's art, but it's not art. It's left there as a reminder of where that, where that tornado first, first really hit hard. Uh, there are still vacant lots that are, that are still here that are in the original path of the tornado. And yet, on, on the other hand, there are brand new buildings that, that have sprung up where, where, where old shoddy construction was existing before. In fact, uh, uh, in fact this, the whole renewal of the West 7th area, Montgomery Plaza, all of that area has just been so, it's so beautiful and so new and fresh and renewed. Well, there's a reason behind that. It's because destruction came, but renewal followed it up. That, 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 that part of the community was resilient. Here in downtown, the same thing happened. I mean, uh, the tower, which, which houses condos today, was at that time the 40-story Bank One Tower, and it was, it was hit so hard by this tornado that, that for years they said, the the, uh, the tower would actually have to be completely demolished, and they were finally able to save it. Calvary uh, Cathedral Church, just a few blocks from here, was destroyed, but in its place was the beautiful new city hall building that you that you see right over there on the river. So so that is an example of what resilience looks like. But trouble 
like that hits your families. Storms come as a result of crisis. Uh, it could be a family crisis, maybe uh, the loss of a, of a loved one or a family member. It could be literal storm damage like some of you are dealing with right now from what happened in February. Maybe it's a job loss, a business failure. It could be a physical disease or an illness, or it could even be you've been assaulted or, or abused. But, but maybe you've brought it on yourself. Maybe it's because of your own mismanagement of your body or your relationships or just simply bad choices, things that you've done by your words or your actions. But regardless, regardless it's a crisis and uh, I want to tell you today you can be resilient and I challenge you to be resilient because resilience is the power to bounce back after the crucible of crisis that word crucible I want to define it for you before we go any further that's an extremely difficult experience or a situation. It's a severe test or a severe trial. And that's actually what some of you are going through right now. And this season in your life, it feels like a wrestling match. You just can't get past where you are. Well, in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21, where I want you to begin your reading with me today, we're going to take a look at a character in the Bible that I think we can learn a lot from. And his name is Jacob. And Jacob had created a mess for himself. He did. He created a big mess for himself. We're going to learn a little bit about this, this guy. So uh, we're going to hit a little bit of his backstory here in, uh, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21, and then we're going to jump forward. So hold your place there as, as we move through this. Now, in, in 25, 21, it says, Isaac, that is Jacob's father, prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. Now, that's, that's the mother in this story and the father. They're important people in the, in the playing out of this story, but, uh, but she had never had children, and she was barren, and, and God worked a miracle, and God worked an amazing miracle, and not only was there one child in her womb, but there were two. Keep reading. It says, the babies jostled with each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. She went and talked to God, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. <laughs> so now she's like, wow, what did I pray for? Here we go. This is going to be interesting. And sure enough, what God said to her did happen, and in many ways it continues to play itself out in our world today. Keep reading on. It says, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first, the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau, which means hairy. Now, today, when a kid's hairy, they just name him Harry. Now, that, that's, I'm not saying that's the case. If you're a hairy here, that doesn't mean you're hairy, right? Y'all all right with that? Okay, after this, okay, after this, look at the next one. His brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. That's the character we're talking about today. So Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac who had a taste for wild game, that's the father, 
He loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So the dad and the mom in this story, they have their favorites here. And, uh, and Jacob, he actually is what we would call a mama's boy. And, 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 and you're beginning to see the makings for a disaster in this family. Keep going on. It says, once while Jacob was cooking some stew, so he would stay at home and make food with his mom, Esau came in from the open country, famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, give me some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is also why he is called Edom, because Edom means red, which is the father of the Edomites, which is a, a, a nation. And so what happens now is Jacob manipulates the situation. Here he goes. So Jacob replied, well, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. Now, what the birthright was is the birthright would go to the first son, and it was typically a double inheritance from the father that would go to the son. So now he has sold his double inheritance that he would get when his father passes away. He is now selling that for a bowl of stew. Okay, look at it. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. So already here, we're seeing this wedge being driven in between these brothers. And, uh, and the focus is, is Jacob. The focus is Jacob. In fact, at his birth, uh, Jacob... Was, was given this name as Jacob, and the, na- the definition of his name is this, one who follows on another's heels, supplanter. Wouldn't you like for your name to be supplanter? That's, a supplanter is someone who takes the place of someone else and who uses schemings and, and manipulation and forces and, and just the strategies and lies to do whatever they can do to get into another place. That's supplanter. Now, back then, names meant a lot more than they do now. And these names would be given to children upon their birth, but that name actually dictated their future. And that name was a, something that was spoken over them that said, this is who you are, this is who you will become. Well, later on, so now, now uh, the supplanter, Jacob, has already taken his birthright, stolen it from his older brother. And now later on, the father Isaac, he is blind, he is near death, and he's ready to go ahead and give this blessing to his sons. A blessing is separate from the birthright, but Jacob, the supplanter, he has another strategy. He's busy deceiving and deceiving and deceiving. So the mother got an idea. Rebecca, the mother, had this, this scheme up her sleeves, and she's, she said, hey, just put on a disguise because you're my husband, your dad, he's blind. So if you just put on this disguise that when he touches you, you'll, you're, you will feel like Esau, then you can go ahead and get his blessing also. And so he did it. He went in there and, and literally deceived his father and received his brother's blessing. His, uh, his brother comes back and, and finds out that he has done this and becomes terribly angry with him. Now, Jacob is, has created this huge, huge mess for himself. In fact, Esau even said this in Genesis 27, 36. He said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he has taken my blessing. Jacob, the supplanter, is a mess. He is a scheming, manipulating, lying thief. And so his brother, 
Esau decided, I am going to simply kill him. I'm going to take him out. Well, the mother says, I don't want that to happen to my son. He's my favorite. So she sent him away. She sent him probably about 200 miles or so up north of where they lived to work for her brother. And her brother, is a, it's, this would have been Jacob's uncle, Laban, went to go work for her and work for him. And he ended up working for him for 20 years. And now, all of a sudden, he starts getting this kind of weirdness coming back at him because Laban starts deceiving and manipulating him. And then he's deceiving and manipulating Laban. And this stuff goes on for 20 years. It's a big mess, but you can read all about it in the book of Genesis. You, you do that in your, in your home, on your own time, but it's an incredible story. But Here's what's interesting. When you look at the story, and I I encourage you to read it on your own, in the midst of all of this drama, God blesses Jacob. In fact, God even affirmed Abraham's blessing, which would have been his grandfather's blessing, affirmed that upon Jacob. In fact, Jacob is the one who saw the stairway to heaven. You've heard the story. You probably remember it even as a child of the the angels coming up and down on the stairway or this ladder to heaven, and and, and they were doing the work of the Lord, and he he named that place Bethel, which meant the house of God. This must be the house of God. And and, uh, and, he was a hard worker. Uh, Scriptures say that he was a tither. But he was still a mess. Would you not agree with that? <laughs> he created problems and drama for himself. So this message is especially for those of you that may have created a little bit of mess for yourself. Well, Jacob, uh, he, he returned. Uh, he, he became very wealthy, and he was ready to return home after about 20 years of working for his um, uncle. It just wasn't working out. It wasn't going to continue to be good. So we pick up on the story in Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. And if you're able to, just flip right over to that, because Esau had heard that Jacob was coming. Jacob's on his way back home, and, and Esau is going to go out and meet Jacob. And Jacob is shaking in his boots over this thing. It's been 20 years since he's seen his brother, but all he's known is that his brother wants to kill him because of all the stuff that's, that, that he's actually done to him. So Jacob is getting close. He comes to this place called the Jabbok River. And what he does is he sends his family, his livestock, his, his, all of his employees. He sends everyone over to the other side of this river, and he isolates himself. He stays alone for a little while. He, just, he, he needs some time alone. He needs some Jacob time time by himself. So we pick up on the story in Genesis 32, verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives. Okay, I know he has two wives. That doesn't mean that was a good thing, okay? So some people read like Old Testament accounts of where some people have multiple wives and said, see, they did. And so it was, and actually, no, God never said to do that. Early, early, early on, it was one, okay? These guys started adapting to the culture, which is a whole other sermon, but we're not going to get into that right now. Let's just know he did have two wives. You can read all about it in Genesis and figure out why. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Now listen to this. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw he could not overpower Jacob, he went over and touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is a strange passage of Scripture. Keep reading. It says, the man said, what is 
The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be supplanter, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now pause there for just a second. You know this is the man Israel now. His name is changed. Israel, you know it as a nation, don't you? You know it as a nation that actually functions today. It is the only nation on the face of the earth that existed at one time, was destroyed and annihilated, and, 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 and actually came back as a nation yet again. It's the only, only one on record. Something is powerful about this nation. Something is powerful about Israel. Israel struggles and wrestles with God and people and overcomes. The name that was given to him actually still applies to that nation today. Interesting, isn't it? All right, so in other words, you want to talk about resilient? Israel is resilient. Bounces back. Okay, Jacob said, well, please tell me your name. But the man replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. He was wrestling with God. So the sun rose over him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. The man has a limp the rest of his life. A new name and a limp. Now, I want to point this out to you. Jacob was resilient. This was a turning point in his life. This was actually a catalytic, catalytic event. And, and sometimes your life will hit these catalytic, catalytic events where, where things will turn and, and, and reverse themselves immediately and quickly. And that's what had happened with him. And, and, and after all he had done, after wrestling with God himself, Jacob was no longer associated as a, uh, as, as a swindler or as a trickster or as a deceiver, as a supplanter. No, what God did at that point is God then blessed him with a divine purpose to establish the Israelite nation. And a new identity came upon him as he went through the crucible of crisis. And as a continuous reminder to that encounter and with the subsequent blessing, Jacob now had a permanent limp that was given to him by God. We'll talk about that limp a little bit later. But, but I want you to know you can be resilient because the crucible of crisis is for your good and it's for his glory regardless of what has brought you to that crucible of crisis. Don't be afraid. Don't panic in the middle of your crisis. God is with you, and God will bring good out of you and good to you through the crisis. In fact, you will be a better person as a result of the crisis, and God will get the glory for it. Now, I want to take it from just a little bit of a different perspective here that sometimes we see other people in a crisis. And when you see another person who's going through a crucible of crisis, whether they created it for themselves or not, hear me well, never abandon or kick a fellow believer who's going through a crucible of crisis. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because at that time, it's time to love and support and encourage because God has not abandoned them. And if we are to be like God, we don't abandon either. Some of you know exactly what I feel, you, you, you've, you, what I'm saying. You have gone through a, a horrible 
crucible time of crisis, whether you created it or not, and it was there. And then you found out all these people that once seemed to care about you, they have run from you because you're in the ditch and you're muddy. And that's one of the challenges. I'm challenging you, church. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. That's not how we live. I don't want you to live that way. I don't want to live that way. We don't abandon another person because they're going through a crisis. And a lot of believers, you've been hurt. You've been, you've been injured because you've been kicked by other people. But God can and will heal that. Just let him heal it. Because it's in the middle of that crisis where this man shows up and wrestles with Jacob. And it was none other than God himself. And God makes himself known. He will come to you at the middle of your most incredible challenge and crisis because Jacob knew the next day he was going to see Esau and Esau very likely would murder him. Jacob, he wrestled with God all night long. I mean, can you imagine that? <laughs> and and I, I think about it because if if God really wanted to, he could have snapped Jacob in half very easily, right? He could have. But instead, he allowed the struggle to go on and on for hours. Why? It was all for a greater purpose. It was really to reveal more about Jacob to Jacob than anything else. And God always takes you through the crucible of crisis for a greater purpose. And Jacob was about to come to the other side of this thing as a different man. Now, I, I think had Jacob had tapped out early, Jacob would have remained Jacob, supplanter, the same man. And who knows what, have, what would have happened when his brother Esau saw him later on. I think it could have been horrible. But because Jacob chose in the midst of that trial to have a resilient spirit, and I believe that even though he chose that he was going to break ties with that, with that mess of a relationship that he was working for his uncle Laban, and he was going to go home, and he was going to try to bless his brother and make things right, as he was doing that, in the midst of this, he, because he has this resilient spirit, because he continue to stand strong even though he kept getting knocked down over and over during this during this prolonged struggle it took him to a place of transformation it, it took him to a place of transformation where the lord literally broke him by just touching his hip knocking it out of socket at the same time building him up and giving him a new identity physically jacob was weaker but spiritually Jacob had leveled up. Don't quit in the middle of your struggle. Don't quit. Now, I want you to look in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, because there's always greater purpose in the struggle. There's always greater purpose in the crucible of crisis. There's always a greater purpose, and that, that purpose has to do with what God wants to do in you and the things that can be transformed in you. It worked with Jacob, it works with us. Because look here, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Don't you want to be a man or a woman of perseverance and character? Yeah, but suffering produces those things. And character produces hope. Keep, keep going on. And hope does not put us to shame. You see the result? There's no shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So in the middle of this crucible of crisis, you are being transformed into something new. God's working in you. 
God's working through you. God is transforming you. Later on in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope, that's what it ends up in, hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So just keep getting back up, church. Don't stay down. Don't let what other people have done to you, how they've hurt you, how they've harmed you, how, they, how they've even beat you down, don't let it take, get the best of you. Get back up. Be strong in your spirit. Be resilient. And just because you're in a crucible of crisis doesn't mean that God is trying to punish you. And it also doesn't mean that God, that you're out of commission, that you're no longer any good for God or anyone else anymore. No, that's not the truth. I like Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Some of you need to memorize this. You need to take this, put it to memory right here. Proverbs 24, 16, look at it. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. You're gonna get back up, get back up, get back up. Get, you know, Jesus told us, you will have tough times. But he reminded us at the same time, but I'm gonna be right there with you. He's always there with you. He's there to help you. He wants, and, and, and God's just saying this to some of you right now. Be resilient. Look past your troubles and get your mind focused on Christ. And there you're going to find joy. That's where you're going to find peace. That's where you're going to find comfort. And the crucible of crisis, it doesn't last. It doesn't. But resilient people do last. Through your severe storms and you continue, just, just continue making Jesus known. I'm just going to keep making Jesus known. I, even though I'm in the middle of the storm, I'm going to keep making Jesus known because God has not given up on you, so don't you dare give up on God. He will never forsake you and he will never leave you. If he hears the cries of the little birds and cares about them so much more, God cares about you. You're more valuable than birds. And what about those scars? What about the, the limp? The things that, that you come out of a crisis still with. Because some of you have been through a crisis and say, yeah, Pastor Tim, I'm all for that, but I still have these scars. I have, still have this limp, so to speak. Well, your scars are a reminder of the battles you've won. They are. But they don't dictate your future. I have a scar right here on my hand. Like, I've had it since I was 12 years old where a dog bit me. <laughs> it, was a, it was a childhood traumatic event. I remember it vividly. You know how you can remember trauma moments? I remember that vividly. And uh, I have this scar right here on my hand of that dog bite. I never liked that dog. I especially didn't like it after that. It was my neighbor's dog. But my neighbor's dog had jumped on my dog my German Shepherd, and, and I was kind of upset with the whole thing, so I thought I would get in the middle of the dog fight. I, yeah, I was 12. I just, just sprung into action. It wasn't thinking. Kids don't think. They just do things, and so I just did it. And uh, that dog's like, what are you doing messing with us? So that dog bit me. Um, but it's a reminder of a battle. It's a reminder of something I'm not going to do again. Something. It's a reminder of how, how I got out of that, and that, and I, I learn lessons through it. I'm a better person because that dog bit me. I'll just tell you the truth. I am. I'm a better person. See, Jacob's struggle with God was really symbolic of his own struggle with his inner self. I believe that with all my heart. See, J God himself wanted to have a deeper relationship with Jacob. 
and Jacob couldn't do so until Jacob basically had to let go of his weaknesses and his, his self-reliance and his deceit and his trickery. And when Jacob kept wrestling with God, basically like refusing to surrender to God with a very simple divine touch on Jacob's hip, it forced this young man to surrender and to admit his utter need for God. At that moment, he did. And then God gave him the name Israel, one who wrestles with God and people and overcomes. You know, scriptures, it's, it's all through the scriptures that God wants you to be an overcomer as well. God wants you to be resilient as well. God wants that stamp of that name to be upon you. He wants that on you. And you can. You can with the help of God. You can with even with the, the encouragement of other believers around. But even if you're all alone, just like Jacob was all alone at that place, you can still be resilient. And God will say, yes, yes, you're an overcomer. Now I want to bless you. And he did. I, I love it because... Part of the, the resilience of Jacob is, is Jacob asked God, we would call that praying, but he asked God, he requested, he, I want a blessing on my life. I want blessing. And I'll tell you guys, resilient people ask God for blessings. Then you, I, I encourage you to boldly do so. You might say, yeah, but what about all that stuff I did in the past? What about all the stuff Jacob did? Is what, you have, is what you have done measure up to what Jacob did? Yet Jacob said, God, bless me. Bless me. Bless me. He said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. Cling to God. That's what resilience is about. You see, the resilience of Jacob was not just that he stood up and he made it through this trial. No, the resilience of Jacob really comes down to that moment in the middle of the struggle, in the middle of the fight, in the middle of the pain when he said, I just want your blessing. I just want your blessing. I just want your blessing. I want us to cry out for the blessing of God in our lives as well. I, I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know the crises you're going through. I don't know the storms that you're facing in your life. Some of you I know elements, but I don't know them. You do. Now it's time to quit beating up on yourself. Quit telling other people, like, well, it's because of you. It's because of you. It's because of this. No, why don't you just say, this is where I am, and I need God, and I'm going to be resilient, and start crying out for the blessing of God now, right now, right here, because God honors that. God honors that, and he honored it with Jacob. He honored it with Jacob, changed his name, transformed his identity, blessed him, and made him a new person. He walked over that river and met his family. Still looking the same, probably looking even a little more beat up because he was limping. <laughs> but he went over and he became a new person. The rest of the story goes that his brother Esau came running to him and embraced him and forgave him. And God restored. God restored. God restored. I want us to pray. First of all, before I go to before we pray specifically regarding these issues, I want to just throw this out that if anyone is here today who's not in right relationship with God, please understand this. You can ask God for blessing all you want, but if you're not in relationship with Him, it's, it's not going to apply itself. You need to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. The way to do so is to ask Jesus to come into your life, forgive you your sins, wash you in His blood so that you can become a new creation. 
Old things are passed away. All things are become new. That's what God wants to do for you. That actually gives you eternity. That actually gives you freedom from guilt and shame and condemnation that you don't need to be operating in anymore. So right now, just all across this room, will each person just bow your heads, lock yourself in with God. And if you're not in right relationship with God, if there's sin in your life and you know that, 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 that should Jesus return today, you wouldn't be ready to go. If you were to die today, you don't know about the, the hope of eternity for your own self, then pray this prayer with me and get this thing resolved now by receiving Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior. And if that's you, would you just at the count of three, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, include me in your prayer. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I want my sins forgiven. If that's you, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up so I can see it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Those of you who lifted your hand, I want you to pray these words with me. Congregation, pray it as encouragement to others who are giving their lives to Christ in this room right now. Heaven rejoices when this happens. Let's pray along with them. Pray these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice to become a new creation in you. Old things are passed away. All things are new. Today I choose to serve you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Second thing, look up at me, church. If, there, if there's anything that you should do right now, I think it's to ask God to pour out his blessing on your life. Pour out his blessing. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. I was, I was raised in a culture where we felt like it wasn't a good thing to do that. And, and I finally started reading the scriptures on my own and realized, no, we're supposed to. We're supposed to ask God to bless us. I won't let go of you, God, until you bless me. And it wasn't a judgment of, well, you're just not good enough yet. Nah, the blessing came. That's what God wants to do for you. Would you all just all across this room just stand, everyone standing? I don't want us to cry out for blessing. Cry out for blessing for your life, for your family, your home. I want you to just begin to cry out for blessing. Cry out for blessing. And you're just, I just want you to pray your own prayers right now. You can just pray just like, like Jacob did. God, I don't want to let, let go of you until you bless me. God, bless my home. Bless my children. God, bless my family. Come on, just pray. You have your own words. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. Just your own words. God, bless me. Pour your blessing out on me. Give me wisdom. Some of you need the blessing of wisdom. Ask God for it. Ask God for the blessing of, of even a release of finances, a blessing upon your business, a blessing upon your home and your family, a blessing upon your body for physical healing in Jesus' name. Begin to pray, God. God, God, just bless. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Come on, church. Pray it out. Pray it out. Just pray it out. God, bless me. Don't let this moment pass you by without asking God for blessing. Come on. This is being resilient right here. You're on your feet. You stood up in the middle of your trial, and now you're saying, God, bless me. God, bless me. God, bless me. God, bless me. God, bless me in Jesus' name. God, bless me in Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, 
Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.